When we look back on the issues, the problems, the opportunities that we have happening in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a global recession, in the middle of a racial revolution for equity, how will we tell the story? And why does telling the story the right way matter so much? Why is this of such critical and crucial importance? Well, today I have a treat for you because I am going to be replaying a podcast I did with some friends with the Rocket Feather podcast. Um, Both Charles and Kelly are part of this storytelling narrative that I engaged in, and it was such an amazing podcast that I had to share it for you all, my listeners. So if you enjoyed the thoughts and reflections from my friends, uh, both Kelly and Charles, please look out for them. And I will put a link in the notes to their information so you can reach out and talk to them. But without further ado, let's hop into the conversation that we have with the fine folks from Rocket Feather and learn about what we can do to tell the story of now better in the future. And talking about, you know, where we're at with being in community Mm -hmm. so that we can kind of create the change that we want to create. Yeah. And you've got kind of a perspective that you want to, you want to share a kind of a larger perspective. Yes, I do. And this is my first time in attempting to orate the idea. And so I will warn you ahead of time that you could potentially be triggered or hurt or you may misunderstand me because this is the first time I'm trying to tell my story this story idea to anybody other than my partner who's also been like be careful babe yeah um but it's my attempt at indigenous storytelling around what's happening in the earth and with what everything we're seeing now with the pandemic with black lives matter um with so much change happening uh there's a m night Shyamalan movie called the happening and it's like the plants send this like neurotoxin out that like kills people, right? And the plants really this neurotoxin because like there's some issue, right? And it's funny because I thought that movie was super deep, um, but he was attempting to like recreate like a B movie, like the blob type movie with that. Like it was supposed to be cheeky and somewhat silly. So maybe I read more into it. Um, But for me, uh, I was trying to look at how can I story tell with what's happening here? And I do think this is a happening right now. I think... The earth has given us the gift of this pandemic um, to really say time out. And if you if you think about like March and April, I mean, wasn't that the biggest time out? Like the earth and the universe is like time out. Go to your corner and think about what you've done. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's so true. It's just amazing because. We all had to go to our houses. We all had to self-quarantine. We all had to stop like going into work. We had to stop building stuff. We had to start driving everywhere. And then in time out, you go outside, you can see the mountains you couldn't see before. The air got cleaner, right? We realized a whole bunch of lies we were telling each other weren't true. We always could have t- taken care, better care of like senior citizens and allow them to shop early. You know, there's, right. no, such things. there's no such things as data caps. That's just a made-up idea. Yeah. The internet should be a utility. Yes. Right? There's all these, like, truths came to light in this time out of lies that we told ourselves that were really exploitive and problematic. You can't trust people to work at home. They won't be productive. 
Right. That's... And we're more productive than ever. I worked harder at home than I do at the office. Right. And I'm not really even at first. Joking. It was finding balance at first that was the hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could work for like it was funny because there would be a time suck of like four to six hours and I'd be like, oh my god, tanks like dad get up. <laughs> this is boring. <laughs> Stop looking at the wall, thingy. This is dad. Let's get up and like move around. Like let me kiss you. I'm bored. Right. Like I needed that reminder to move. Um, but I think. Like in my indigenous storytelling, I'm trying to show that the earth needs us to stop using and doing exploitative systems. If the earth, and it really the earth is creating a space and opportunity for us to consider how much we want to still be part of earth. Um, because I know people are in a hurry to go to like Mars and stuff, but Mars is trying to actively kill you every second you're there. And truly the earth is trying to give you everything you could possibly need to live and thrive in harmony with all its other systems, right? But the, I think it's the earth needing us to stop like the exploitative systems. And so I started looking at things and I'm like, okay, how can I create an argument for the reality that I feel as though I'm seeing? I'm not doing this through scientific testing. Like I don't have like hard evidence of things. These are just like macro patterns that I feel as though I'm noticing. So again, if you got COVID and you're like, but I fight for justice, like I'm not saying the earth's trying to kill you. Um, and I can actually talk about that a little bit later, yeah. but I wanna like really take a second to say, this is just a sense making progress from right. a storytelling narrative right. of how we can use the opportunity of now to learn to do better in the future. Ooh, I like it. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Is there yeah. anything you feel like I need to check with that? No, I think you're okay. right on it. Okay. I think it's. I think. I think thinking about it like a story. I mean, we're. That's how our brains still work, despite the scientific revolution. Yeah. Maybe it's. Maybe it's how our souls work. You know, mm. if I say, once upon a time, yeah, there was a culture. There was a group of people. Yeah. That had. I used, to, I used to tell this story at fundraisers for boys to men. Yeah, I was going to say, I've yeah. seen that happen. He says, once upon a time, and a whole room full of people just drop in. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. To that space. There was a, there was a What's going to happen? There was a yeah. culture that had done amazing things, that had built great cities, that had yeah. gone to other planets, <clears throat> that had created yeah. beautiful works of art, but forgot how to take care of their children. Yes. And yes. everybody goes, oh. He's, yeah, yeah. he's talking about us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hard part. Is I am going to be talking about us. Um, so when I was looking at this thing, right, I was looking at the patterns, right. What made what brought COVID forward, right? And the best theory they know of so far is that it came from wet markets, right, um, where all these different animals are cut up and processed in very close uh, proximity to each other. Um, but I, but I notice in these things, there's systems and patterns of exploitation in that space in which this came from, right? And so many people will just be like, well, it's wet markets and wet markets are the problem. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about that, right? Because I back up and I look at what pandemic experts tell me, uh, what I've seen, and I've been doing my own personal research of looking at like Netflix documentaries. There's a explained for COVID mm -hmm. that's been really interesting. Um, we're not treating animals really well when we use them as food, right? We're pumping them full of antibiotics. We're pumping them full of growth hormones. We're cutting off their beaks. We're killing them in really hurtful, harmful ways. We're putting them through incredible pain before they die, right? 
And those systems and scenarios happen to be the perfect spaces for pandemics to start, right? And so I'm not just looking at the wet market, I'm looking at like the systems we have here. And we, through our exploitive use of things, are creating a situation and scenario where a pandemic that could be specialized to kill humans who are exploiting the most arises. Bats are fine. Right. Pigs are fine. Chickens are fine. And when a chicken's being a chicken, ain't no problem. When a human sometimes being a human, there's an issue, right? Right. And Kelly, well, I think I think one of the things that we just to interject real quick on a second, you know, we blame, you know, China and we blame the wet market, but like uh, mad cow disease came yeah. from the U.S. Uh-huh. and from Canada, UK too, and I UK, think. right? And that's yeah. all from factory farming, having lots yep. of cows in close proximity, <clears throat> you know, cows eating other parts of cows that that would never happen in the wild. Sick cows, yeah, 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 because yeah. 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 well, cows can't eat cows because they weren't built to. No, right, right? no. Um, but you had a really great insight that I wanted you to share about, like looking at the system of like uh, unhealthy food with. Um, then what does it do and how does it affect people? Like, you want to share that insight? Because then yeah, you're not well, Sure, yeah. But when you were, before we started recording, you were, you were telling us the, the bones of the story. And all of a sudden I saw that the, the consistency between how we treat animals in factory farming. Mm-hmm. And so we have this awful machinery to turn these animals into basically they mostly go to fast food mm-hmm. which is also a machine that just pumps this fast food which is kind of crap also mm-hmm. and it's almost like the people who are eating the fast food are the same as the animals who are coming through those factories it's like one big giant factory mm-hmm. That creates unhealthy humans that, at the end. Yeah, and yeah. it's almost instead of us being the consumer of of that, we're almost part of the product. We're consuming ourselves. Yeah, it's it's like one big unhealthy cycle. Yeah. Well, and Charles noted that like we're in line at the drive-through, exactly. just like the shoe. Like, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you tell the story, it's like, oh my gosh, you see the connections. I'm, yeah. on, a, I'm on a conveyor belt. I'm sitting yeah. in my car on a conveyor belt. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they hand me this unhealthy food made by these unhealthy, you know, produced mm-hmm. by these unhealthy animals and these unhealthy conditions. And yeah. then I drive a little further and I shove it into my, into my maw, yeah. into my face. Which then gave me the opportunity uh, to talk about, like, how do you feel after you eat that? Right. right? Like, if you eat McDonald's, like, you feel a certain way afterwards. It's yeah. not like energized refreshed better right and i'm not condemning meat eating right i think um if you don't want to eat meat i think that's wonderful like studies show and i'm i'm working on meeting eating more beyond meat and looking into Mm -hmm. uh, potentially lab grown meat i can't wait Um, for lab grown hamburgers yes yes oh my god yeah well and some of the stuff they make out of vegetables is still really delicious oh definitely yeah and it's sustainable and we can do that stuff over and over again but I also look at like when you eat a healthy meal, like when you eat, uh, if you if you eat something that was hunted, that was hunted in a sustainable manner, uh, when you eat vegetables, you know, you have your garden. When you eat vegetables, you grow yourself. Yeah. It tastes better, but you feel better. Yeah. Like, you know, you feel better. And it's hard because you can't be like, it's so hard to be like, well, I feel better. And I'm like, whatever, man, you just like your broccoli or whatever. 
you're yeah. like, no, no, there's something there, right? Yeah. There's something to that. And also when we have our own gardens, we usually grow too much food and we have to share it with each exactly. other. Exactly. And that food tastes better that we share with each other. Like the story like really needs to change, right? Um, and then I also looked at things that I thought would be threats, right? Because uh, when I was looking at like, what is the problem? I was looking at like, I think like issues of whiteness cause this things to rise. I think issues of like toxic masculinity allow this to rise. Exploitive capitalist systems uh, where like, if there is going to be a good vaccine, I don't think it will rise from a capitalist system. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to rise from a crowdsourced group effort. Totally. Well, if you think about it, we're all building on top of the efforts of everybody else. So if we're all working on the same project together, of course, we're going to complete it quicker than like, oh, I'm going to keep all my information to the side. Like I need to like make this this vaccine first so I can make the most money off of it. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the survival long term of humanity yeah. and how we learn to respond to these things. Yeah. Uh, and then, and so I think, uh, we need to, well, like, just to, just to go back to the toxic, the toxic masculinity thing for a minute. Like it's very clear that toxic, uh, Uber individualism, mm-hmm. Uber, you can't pin me down. I refuse to be muzzled. Masculinity yeah. mm-hmm. is spreading the disease. Yeah. Yes. Literally. In this state, more than any other yeah. state. My friends in uh, Nigeria are like, are you okay, man? <laughs> yeah, they Nigeria. are. They're like praying for Arizona. Like, not only do they know the U.S., they know Arizona specifically. And we're seeing it so bad here because people are like, well, I'm not going to wear a mask for you. And you can't make me do this. And you can't make me not go in public. And you cannot make me go to the bar. You know, like, I'm yeah. sure you're seeing the pictures in Tempe, yep. Scottsdale, of people just willfully, mm-hmm. like, asserting their individuality that's causing such a spike in cases. Right. And I, you know, and I empathize, you know, in, in kind of my thinking about masculinity and understanding, understanding in particular that old strength of you're, if you're not winning, you're losing. Yeah. And so to put on a mask, instead of it being seen as I am making this small sacrifice in community, in collaboration, in uh, in wholeness, solidarity, in solidarity yeah. with my community. It's like, nope, you can't make me. This is how I am asserting that I am winning. And, yeah. and I get it. It's like, that's what we've been taught. That's what men in particular have mm-hmm. been taught, that if you, if you bow down, if you conform... If you do what somebody on the hierarchy is telling you, and in fact, probably what's part of the problem is that more and more people in the hierarchy are are, are women, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we got a we got a mayor in Phoenix who's a woman. We got yeah. Doctor Bricks uh, yeah. in the, on the coronavirus task force. We yeah. got and we got kind of nerds on the task force, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, saying put on a mask, and that's like you know, tell some big dude invested in traditional toxic masculinity. That he's not going to take that message. Well, my friend well, Tim is mayor of Cottonwood, and he made a mask order, and there he's getting a ton of shit. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny though, because like, I mean, we know, right? We've seen these patterns. It's humble yourself, or the earth will humble you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's and I saw the sure. Scottsdale City Council person, right? The audacity. 
yeah. to say, I can't breathe mm. because of the mask. Yeah. You're going to put yourself in a situation where you truly will not be able to breathe and may never breathe the same again if you catch this thing. Yeah. Yeah. You think breathing hard through a mask is hard? Try try through an intubation. Or try having a cop's knee on your neck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and even after, like, say he, the person goes through it and heals, right? Yeah. You'll you never still don't have your capacity back. The same again. Mm-mm. Mask or no, right? Yeah. But again, the earth humbles us in mm-hmm. such, in exactly the way we need sometimes uh, to really find a way to come together. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention too is I'm also noticing that the virus is not replicating in spaces that I kind of expected it would have. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely terrified to go to protests because I was like, not only will it be hard to stay far apart, not only will it be like, I'm sure more people will happen to wear masks because people will have more uh, collective values, I would assume. Right. Mm-hmm. And I saw that rep. rep- replicated but i also knew how the police would react right i knew they would tear gas people like when you tear cast people they cough they vomit mm. they like like they spew particles all over the place right and i was like oh my gosh the virus is going to be absolutely terrible right R- rowdy in his <laughs> in his sense making but now here we are more than two weeks out and we're not seeing a spike from that behavior And so when I'm looking at what's happening and I'm attempting to tell the story, I'm like, maybe it's behavior specific, Mm. right? Because as soon as Arizona took away its lockdown orders and everybody's like, well, I've been home long enough. I'm sick of this. We're going to have to learn to live with things, right? Mm -hmm. The earth is like, here, attempt to learn. Yeah. Live with this. Yes. Live with the spike in cases. Live with not enough hospital. I mean, we are really close. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to like I'm not saying it may, it will happen. Yeah, in next the next week. 2 weeks. Yeah. Yes. We're going to see like it's going to be like New York. They're going to have trucks with bodies in it. Um there's going to not be enough beds, right? Yeah. And it's because we're not willing to learn from this thing. And again, if in the future you get affected by this and you get sick, I'm not blaming you with my story. If you have a loved one that you may lose, I'm not blaming you with my story. Like I'm talking about what can we learn from this and how do we better be better moving forward? Right. There, I think um, learning from this is important, right? Uh, we're learning that you're safer outside than you are inside. Well, think about it. Outside is a natural system. There's sun, there's wind, there's air, but the virus replicates in, in natural systems. You and I are both in an in natural system right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny because Arizona happens to be the place in the union that is in the most unnatural space, which forces us to be inside more often than any other space. Right. Isn't it funny that we happen to be replicating so much faster because we have to kind of be in an unnatural space. Air conditioned inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Um, But seeing and noticing that is interesting, too, because uh, I'm not noticing the same things in the same spaces. Welcome back. This is Charles Matthews. And Kelly Robert. And we're still here with Rowdy Duncan talking about the the bigger perspective and the story that Mm -hmm. seems to be embedded in the the day-to-day crisis. 
right? It's like yeah. the news cycle is like so freaking fast. You know, like I can't even listen to, I listen to my favorite news podcasts. And if I don't listen to them the day that they're out, they're already obsolete the next day. So things are yeah. moving really quickly. So I think this opportunity to take a step back with Rowdy and take a breath, those of us aren't we grateful for being able to breathe mm-hmm. and uh, take a breath and, and look at the, the bigger perspective, the longer perspective of this and what from that bigger, longer and even kind of indigenous or earth-based perspective, what are we, what are we seeing? Yeah. Not what are we seeing in the daily numbers? What are we seeing in the, the daily tweets, but what are we feeling mm-hmm. from our sense making storytelling story listening brain yeah 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 and with it i think it's been interesting because again like one of the things i was talking about is we're safer in nature right now than our constructions right um when you look at patterns of health right who's suffering the most when they're sick it's people with pre-existing conditions right we're seeing people that are suffering the most are the most out of balance Right. right. Most of those are lifestyle, lifestyle diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And and some of it's not, some of it's just like pre-existing condition that you couldn't do anything about. Yep. Like, you know, I, by no means am I trying to jump on the case of someone that just like has a genetic uh, thing that they had no part and parcel of. Yeah. Right? We're not victim blaming here. We're no. looking at this yeah. uh, no. from a metaphorical perspective and exactly. we're not calling right. out anybody in no. particular. Right. And I guess, I guess when I, you know, I can kind of, I can kind of call it out cause I am, I am a lifestyle disease person. I'm, I am officially obese. I'm way overweight. You know, I'm, I do not want to get this disease cause it will, you know, I'm likely to be done in, but yeah. you know, these lifestyle diseases are part of our culture, part of that being on the, being on the conveyor belt yep. through the fast food line, through the line at, at, at uh, the circle K buying Doritos, you right. know, through the, through the, the food desert in, uh, in Glendale, where the only mm-hmm. place to get, to get food is at the Kmart. Right. But it's also, again, time out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time out. What yeah. do you want to do? Right. Like there's a lot of people that I've seen in time out be like, well, I want to be more healthy. And I've seen people in time out go, well, I want to go outside more. Uh, I've seen people in time out that are like, well, I want to fight more for the justice of other people. Right. And they're all okay. And they're all getting better and they're all evolving. Right. Like how do we use the time that is being given to us and how do we want this story to end? is really the idea that I'm trying to get across because I think there's an opportunity here to rethink our food systems for better health. I think there's an opportunity to everyone look really critically inside at like, who do you want to be and what do you want to do? In some ways, being self-critical, like the lesson I think I have seen potentially because I was afraid to go to protests. The earth taught me maybe you shouldn't be so afraid to do the right life-sustaining balancing thing. Right. When we can look at each other in that way of like, well, what takes me to best me? Uh, <laughs> what takes you to best you? What takes us to best together? Yeah. Right. The earth loves us so much. Clean water falls out of the air. Like if you didn't live on earth, you wouldn't believe that story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're telling me everything I really need to live and thrive falls out of the air. Yeah. 
food grows out of cracks in the sidewalk <laughs> in some cities. Yeah. No, here, here, like even in Phoenix, we, but we up in the Northwest, that you can eat, yeah. but we don't know what it looks like because right. we're taught to only eat what we're what we're supposed to see. What's yeah, there's in a plastic. wild spinach that grows in like like there's some like wild mustard grass that you can eat here that was uh, something that you could have just pulled out of the ground and ate, mm-hmm. but we don't know what that looks like. We're yeah, used right. to like seeing like apples or whatever the the food we're used to seeing. Yeah, like we haven't been taught to see the Phoenix food that's here or the Flagstaff food that's there because like there's plenty, there's abundance, there's way more than I mean. <laughs> you can eat that stuff off the ground till you had. We talked about the itis, right? That feeling uh-huh. of like overstuffness that takes you out of balance. Yeah. Like there's plenty of that food to eat everywhere, all around you, all the time. Again, another back another backpacking story working with working with kids from Seattle, hiking hiking up into the Cascade Mountains. And yeah. like huckleberries are just the yeah. trail is lined with them. And mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just mowing as I go along and these city <laughs> yeah. kids are like, what are you doing? Like, these are yeah. huckleberries. Yeah. This is like $7 a pound or whatever. Uh, right. Right. It's just like, <laughs> what? And it's just there. And they're like, you're eating that right off the bush? Like, yeah. yes. That's how it's supposed to be. Ate. Yes. yes. You don't have to clean it. Right. It's see, been clean. See that bear over there? He's doing the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like, right, like it's scarcity abundance mindset, scarcity abundance thinking, right? Yeah. If, and we talked about this in truth, right? Um, if you, because we're so used to seeing each other as the worst of ourselves, right? Like, like when we all treat each other like we're absolutely horrible and we're all trying to steal from each other and we're all trying to rip off each other, um, then we act that way. People treat each other the way you treat them. Mm-hmm. If I treat you as a noble being, if I respect you, if I know if I share with you and I expect reciprocation, I'm probably going to get reciprocated, mm-hmm. right? The amount of folks that really don't reciprocate back is actually pretty tiny when you share. Yeah. Yeah. Like most people have that urge to just give back. It's very, very few that take and take and take and take and take. That story's really not that real. But when we act as though it is, it is more real. Right. There's not enough for me. I gotta look out for mine. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find that. There was a a podcast that was talking about a study that looked at uh, re- business relationships, work relationships, and that in in work units there are the givers and the uplifters that form mm-hmm. a certain percent. That that's just naturally how they are. Yeah, and a similar percentage, but small, of mm-hmm. people who are just takers. Yeah, and then people of the vast majority who could go either way. Yeah. So that if you're a leader in a situation like that, if you uplift and support those givers and they're often the ones who can be invisible because mm-hmm. they're helping other people they're yes. not necessarily bringing in all the sales numbers they're right. not necessarily standing up in front of everybody with the most beautiful powerpoint championing their project they're right. the one who's helping make it happen but yeah. if you as a leader lift up those people then all of that folk that that group in the middle because mm-hmm. of their mirror neurons are like yes mm-hmm. i'm going to be like those yeah. people what yes. is valued right yeah. if yeah. we're just if we're just rewarding the the sales champions who do it on, you know on the backs of everybody else yeah then that's the middle group we'll shift that direction yeah 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 well and it was interesting i was in a 
webinar talking about indigeneity and indigenous food, right? And there's a word and it's potlatch. And it was a practice and it's kind of derivative of potluck. And I think we may have talked about Mm -hmm. potluck. I talk about potlucks all the time because it's one of my favorite examples of abundance. Because I've never been to a potluck that there wasn't too much food. Right. Yeah. The table, the table groans under the weight oh of it. Gosh. Yeah. 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 And there's just way too much and everybody has more than enough. And it's funny because even a taker at a potluck can't overtake. Right. It's impossible because there's just too much. But that's how the, the power of story changes things so much. Right. Like if we look at this current space and the same opportunity of like, okay, Earth's calling us back home right now. Earth said, take a timeout. Yeah. Earth said, take care of brother cow, sister chicken. Earth said, like, watch out for that oil in the ground. I know I made it, but it doesn't mix well with water and it'll kill you. Yeah. Like when you look at water, there's an inner stillness and peace that you get from being around water. Mm-hmm. But you slightly taste oil and you immediately know that's death. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But we value death liquid more than life liquid. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how do we tell these stories in a different way? How do we like see the opportunity of what this moment is? And it's hard because I know I say opportunity and people are like, Rowdy, really? Like global pandemic, like like recession, potentially depression. Uh, we're talking about like like some people are predicting race wars coming out of what we're seeing with Black Lives Matter protests. And I'm like, mm. y- y'all said it yourself, right? It's a choose your own adventure book. Yeah. If you want to live in an earth in harmony, turn to page 67. If you want to like uh, nice. hoard the oil, go to page 172, right? Yeah. Like it just turns out that the oil page ends the story faster mm-hmm. and worse than the value the water, value the other thing story. Yeah. And I I'm pretty optimistic in looking at the end, right? I think um, if we think abundance thinking uh, and uh, like the crowdsourced version of whatever vaccine we make will be available. And I think there will be something special in whatever that comes from. Because what I'm interested in is maybe there'll be a tie, which would be cool too, right? There's a tie with an individualistic person that wants to sell it for a lot of money. And then they tie with another version of the virus that's crowdsourced. And I wonder what will make it so the crowdsourced one is more dispersible, faster than the scarcity thought virus yeah because you can see like if you think about in 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 the easy to share there's more than enough way there will be if you think of it like well i need to make as much money as possible that will be true too yep yeah that will that will limit it yeah 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 and really i think the biggest story that i'm trying to get across is trials are opportunities that are really disguised as problems yep And we have an opportunity to write this story, to be in better balance with the earth, to make better and more natural food for the spaces and places we live. I mean, we should obviously be eating this wild spinach that I'm telling you about, or this mustard seed stuff here, because it's a weed. I know. You can't can't make it go away. 
No, you can't. Well, you have to poison the ground to make it go. Right. With with like the Roundup stuff, right? Yeah. Oh man. Like, isn't it nuts? Like, it's it's so. Well, I don't think get. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get why people hate dandelions so much because they're delicious and they're beautiful and they're fun. Mm-hmm. And they are <laughs> unstoppable. And they're unstoppable. They exactly. Grow in cement. Yeah. I saw a meme that was like. Roses are like, okay, I need a certain pH for this, and I need like so much care for that. And then and if I get if there's I get a dandelion too, if I get that's too like, wet, I get moldy, yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. And the dandelions, oh look, concrete. Yeah. <laughs> this is perfect. And it grows despite it. Yeah. But yeah, it's what are we gonna do with the story? Yeah. And how will we tell the end? And how can we get back to balance? Um, and I want to end you with a thought, uh, that it came from a story that we were looking at indigeneity. Uh, and one of the things I want to tell you too, um, Charles, because when we were talking in one of the breaks, you were talking about European myths. Mm-hmm. Get back to calling that white indigenous myths. White indigenous stories. Because yeah. Yeah. Like that disconnect of whiteness and indigeneity mm-hmm. is part of the issue in whiteness. Right. Because every, all white people forgot they were tribal yep. indigenous people, right? Yeah. Like if they could own that, they're, they could look back in their history and find those stories that are going to bring us back in balance faster. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a story and it, says, and it says you will remember you came from the earth. Mm. When the salinity of your blood, which is so close to the salinity of the sea, returns back to itself. Mm. When your muscles and all the richness of nutrients returns to the soil, you will remember you're not from the earth, you are the earth. Mm. And the sooner we remember, we are it not just away from it and a part of it. We are it. We'll understand we're just hurting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the opportunity to rewrite the story. Oh. Yeah. And the, the positives, you know, not, not just that we'll remember that we're hurting ourselves, but that we'll remember how to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it involves taking care of the thing that is ourselves, the earth and each other. Yeah. Yeah, and all the all the animals will have the opportunity to be happier with us. They'll live higher quality lives together. The food will be better for for them and for us. There'll yeah. be plenty. You know, yeah, maybe we have to have a little bit smaller of a hamburger. That's okay. Right. Still plenty yeah. of everything else. So once upon a time, there was a group of people, a culture, a group of folks who had accomplished great things. They had built built cities, created art, delved into the smallest and the biggest parts of the universe, were able to explain how the very cells of themselves worked, were able to make music that made people cry or dance or rage. And this culture made all kinds of mistakes, but along the way they started creating more and more freedom and more and more justice for more and more of the members of that culture, of that group of people, once upon a time. But they forgot some things along the way. In the process of building big cities and creating beautiful art, Sometimes they forgot their bodies. 
Sometimes they forgot that the salinity of their blood matched the salinity of the ocean. Sometimes while being inside in their great cities, they didn't look outside and hold up their face to the pure water that fell from the sky. Sometimes they forgot that their children were the most precious gift and that everything they took from the earth was borrowing from those children and those children's children and those children's children's children. And sometimes they forgot that their elders held the wisdom and the stories that still remain relevant after generation and generation. And the earth that loved, 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 loved these people the way it loved Brother Cow, the way it loved Sister Chicken, the way it adored Cousin Oak and Cousin Ponderosa Pine. The earth thought, hmm, hmm, they have forgotten. They have forgotten. How do I help them remember? How do I help them remember? How did earth help them remember, Rowdy? Well, when, when you forget that all my relations, all my, re- it's not about your ancestors, right? Yeah. Your relations to the sun, to the wind, right? Like it takes, it takes taking us to a space. We have to remember that like, we have to remember there always was enough. Yeah. We have to remember just because a chicken looks different than me doesn't mean its life is not precious. We have to remember that Brother Worm makes the earth better with it leaving its, with its nutrients that allows food to grow. Yeah. Food that we could just pick up and eat along the way. It's easy to forget with stories that we make up. It's so easy to forget. But the people were allowed an opportunity. Will you remember that you're my ancestor? Will you remember this is the only place we ever needed you to be? Or will you forget? Will you die alone, on your knees, out of breath, with never having enough because you never saw all that was there? Mm. Or will you come back home? Mm. Will you remember the blood and the sea salinity? Will you remember that all the minerals you need for your body exist in the ground and came from the ground? Do you want to come back home? Or do you want to leave forever? Which page do you want the story to go to? And so the earth asked those questions with a pandemic, with a virus, because she can't speak in words. She spoke in RNA. She didn't force it upon them. She didn't force it upon these people. She just made it available. And they did with it what they did with it. And some of them took it into their bodies. And some of them spread it to others. And some of them risked their lives to succor the sick, to treat them, to keep them alive, or to hold their hand while they passed alone. And some of them 
remained in denial, remained in denial that their blood was seawater, that their bones were rocks, that their relations were everybody. But most, but most remembered because people remembered the stories and started telling them. Most remembered because people remembered the stories and started telling them. The stories from way back. The stories that we know in our bones that are rocks. The stories that we know in our bones. The stories that we know in our blood that is seawater. And most of us, enough of us, enough of them came home and breathed and turned their face to the pure water that fell from the sky. And the earth looked and saw that most of them were turning their face to the sky. And she helped them find the collaboration and the courage and the love to defeat the virus, to build a culture that could be sustained so that the adventure never ended. And we remember the stories of those that passed, those that passed because they were unwilling to learn, but also those that passed doing the right thing the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We needed those stories to continue to survive, but we needed those stories to move beyond just surviving to really thriving together. And we honor the sacrifice that was made so we could learn to live together. And they learned to live together. Oh-ho. 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 Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Rocket Feather podcast and sharing the story time with Rowdy Duncan and Kelly Roberge and me, Charles Matthews. Go out and remember... Go out and tell the stories, even if they're imperfect, even if they're imperfectly remembered. Tell the stories. Tell the stories. Thanks for listening. So, wow. With that, yeah. That was our story. I thought that was phenomenal. In the moment, I was like, wow, this is something. So with that, I'm curious. What did you think of our attempted storytelling around this idea? Email me and let me know. Inclusiveactivism at cox.net. I N C L U S I V E A C T I V I S M at cox.net. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your opinions because I felt kind of uncomfortable at first trying to tell a story, but I'm glad I did because sometimes you have to be drawn out into the deep water to really swim to your fullest potential. So, with that, I hope you're well and I hope you're blessed, and we'll hear you on the next podcast.